Christ's children present. I'll see now, need me, they know. They're like, oh, a dude's going to come up and start yakking. We should run away now. I feel you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, it, Vicki, am, am I still in the... Okay. I mean, this is this is a, a I'm not even a mess with this rig. So, we are and have been in a series called the Illustrated Gospel, where we have attempted to uh, pair scripture with actual object lessons. You know, something you can see, something you can remember, because a lot of times, scripture is hard. A scripture Scripture is hard because. Um, one, it's God. God trying to explain things to us. Have you ever tried to explain something to a child? Okay, have you ever, no, that's not even, have you ever tried to explain something to a puppy? This is, this is scripture. This is the conversation God's having with us. And God's trying to like, God thought to puppy thought. That's, that's what's happening in the Bible. And so sometimes, you know, an illustration of an example sort of helps us grasp things. Uh, another difficulty is sometimes, sometimes you're reading scripture, you are not there yet. Sometimes as you're reading scripture, you will come across things that just make no sense. And you just can't, you can't get the thought in your head. And it's simply because... You have not come far enough. You have not developed in the spirit enough to really get what God's talking about. Uh, we see this a lot in the, in the parables. Jesus is sharing. He's like, you know, I'm sharing a story. He's like, I'm telling you a story, but I'm telling you a story. And nine times out of tens, the ones he was telling the story to are like, Jesus, What? He just don't get it. And Jesus was like, oh, me. And then he has to explain himself. The third reason scripture is hard, because a lot of times we don't bother. We don't take the time to look at scripture and read scripture and study scripture enough to understand it. And that's, I mean, that's on us. That's, that's not a God thing, that's an us thing. So we need to be in Scripture so we can understand Scripture. Um, but that being said, today is our last, as far as I know, our last um, illustrated Scripture, illustrated Gospel. Oh, Lord, don't make a mess. This is so much water, and I'm just going to explode all the electronics. Did somebody pray for me? Or was that like an, oh, my God, don't pre, don't clap that. I'm, hopefully it gets better. All right. And so this morning, we're going to tackle something that's like, man, I hate that scripture because it's hard. So if you have a Bible, um, and I hope you have a Bible. I mean, you know, this is just me. I'm old. Electronics are good. The U version, whatever, on your phone and stuff. But. You know, there's something about, something about this. So if you've got one of these, find it, level the table with something else. 
dust it off and bring it with you. And from time to time, crack it open and let's read it together. And it's good. So we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the compassions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You. You. You, 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 you should be holy. Holy what? I can be a lot of holy something, but holy? Holy is God. How do I be holy? I, I can't be holy. There is nothing holy about this. And yet, God just told us, you should be holy. Why? How, you're holy. I'm a mess. I know what lives in here. And what lives in here? Not holy. And we struggle with this. We're like, if I could be holy, I wouldn't need God. But I need God because I'm not holy. And God is holy. I get that part. But God now wants me to be holy. Even though I am still filled with the stuff that makes me not holy. Right? Anybody in this room feel like, by and large, more often than not, you are holy. Whew. I was hoping somebody was going to like raise their hand and be like, liar, you're not holy. You just lied. Um, so we're all on the same page. Holiness is a quality of likeness to God. It is a sacred condition of a thing or a person either inherently, just inherently holy, like God is inherently, he's just holy because he is holy, or through intention. You intentionally make something holy, which is God intentionally working on our behalf to make us holy. That sets the entire thing or person apart from the common or the worldly. Your holiness, whatever that might look like, is what separates you from the world. Well, I'm not separate from the world. I am not holy. Yikes! Relatively certain it's okay. No, 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 no. It went other places. And so we want to look at this. I want to, I want to explain. God just said, you are to be holy. Anybody got a plan for being holy? Mike, what's your plan? To be more like Jesus. Okay. That is a solid answer. Anybody know what a Sunday school answer is? You do now. This is a good answer. But here's what being holy looks like. It's just soap water. It's all going to become clear. And trust me, it will, in fact, become clear. Uh, if you still got the Bible with you, take a look at Ephesians. Chapter 4, starting in verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through 
deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. See, a lot of us are stuck. We, we can't imagine, we can't imagine holiness. We can't imagine this being holy because we are still stuck in our former life. Hopefully, we've come to that place where we recognize our need for a savior. Lord, I am a mess. I am sinful beyond belief. I am lost. I am broken. I belong to the enemy. There is no hope for me. I need you to come and save me. I need to partake of your sacrifice on the cross to save me. And a lot of us, that's a beautiful thing. If you've ever had that moment, maybe you dropped to your knees by a bedside. Maybe you came down an aisle. You said a prayer. You were saved. But for many of us, it stops there. We have a Savior who saves us from the fires of hell, but we never allow him to save us from the fires of this life because we just stop. We don't allow him to begin the process of cleansing us, which is how we become holy. It's called sanctification. The idea is that you come to Jesus, and then as you live life with him, you progressively, you go on this journey where you are progressively being changed, being transformed from the you that came to Jesus to the you that looks increasingly, like Mike said, like Jesus. And you're never going to get 100%. I know there are overachievers in this room. There are type A's in this room. There are people who, if you get this, you're going to go home and you're going to crank up the spreadsheets and you're going to come up with a plan and it's going to be step by step and you're going to have sub-steps and God bless you because the world would not function if it were left to people like me. But no matter how good your plan, you're never going to get 100% this side of heaven. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. The holiness is a progressive participation with God to put off the old deceitful, sinful self. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. All right, so God says, I'm holy. Can we all agree? Cool. God created us. Yes? Okay. God created us to be holy. Okay, Mike agrees with me. Cool. Me and Mike and God, we're all on the same page. But you see where we're going. All right, I can accept in my brain, academically, based on scripture, I am supposed to be holy. I can accept, as scripture just says, Paul just wrote, you're living in your former self, this deceitful, sinful character that you have not, you know, since the day you came to Jesus, you've not done anything to put off. So Paul says, off that old self, put on the new self that looks like Jesus. Because this is how holiness begins. Okay. All right. I get it. I understand the words that you're saying. You ever run into this? You're talking to somebody and they speak to you, they say things to you, and you recognize that the words flowing out of them are, in fact, English. I mean, they're based in the English language, but you start stringing them together and you're like, 
I have no clue what you're saying. This is the dumbing down process. This is what God is leading us through. So he says, okay, here. Here's how this is going to happen. He's holy. You should be holy. Put off your old self. Put on your new self. Great. How do I do that? Fortunately, it tells us. How do you put off the old self? How do I stop? And remember it said, you have to change your mind. You know, we talk a whole lot about the heart and the spirit. Folks, Christianity, life in Christ, is, a, is an exercise of the mind. It is your mind that determines how you behave, how you act. It determines your attitudes. Everything that flows out of you doesn't come out of your heart. It comes out of your brain. And that's why repeatedly in, uh, in Ephesians that I just read, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we are constantly being admonished to change your brain. If you change the way you think, everything else flows out of that. That's where holiness begins. When you start to think and start to see the world as God does, rather than as you do, when you break that identification with the worldly, that is where holiness begins. All right, so it says right here, like the subtitle here is put on the new self. In in Ephesians, Paul just told us you need to put on the new self. Now he's going to tell us how. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You need to take your thinking and you need to start focusing on God's thoughts, God's ideas. God's thoughts, God's ideas. You need to start getting this into your brain. Because that is where the change of thinking happens. And when your brain starts to change the way you act, the way you think, the way you speak, your attitudes, the way you interact with other people, the way you interact with yourself begins to change and you start to become holy. You start to become set apart from the world. You start to notice, you know, one of the biggest travesties, I almost started singing some DC talk. That would have been bad. One of the biggest travesties in the world is that there is a lost and dying and broken world out there who could find hope in Christ and his church, but they look at the church and they go, what's the difference? I look at you, I listen to you, I see how you behave. What is the fundamental difference between you and me? And if we're no different, why do I need the church thing? Too many people who claim the name of Christ are still living in the world. He wants you to be set apart. He wants you to be living in such a way that when the world looks at you, they go, I don't know what your deal is, but you are different. And that begins when you change your brain. All right. Make sense? Crystal clear? Did somebody say no? Little Sophie. 
Please, somebody say it's not crystal clear, because if it's crystal clear, I don't have to do all this. Thank you, Christopher. Maybe I can make it a little bit clearer for you. Everybody else is welcome to leave, geniuses and holy saints that you are. All right, so we want to be holy. This is you. This is your brain on drugs. No, that's a different illustration. This is you filled with gunk. Junk. You come to Jesus and you want to pour that all out. You don't want to be filled with that anymore. You don't want to live that life anymore. So you pour it out. You pour it all out at Jesus. Jesus, I come to you. I repent. Please come into my life. Please change me. Please help me. Please save me. Cool. Great. Awesome. That is a brilliant first step. That's where a lot of us stop. And it's good because, you know, a lot of that junk is out, but a lot of that junk is still in there. And if you come from certain traditions, certain churches, certain teachers will tell you, just not trying hard enough. You need to try harder. You need to be better. You need to get better and try harder, and you're not getting better because you're not trying hard enough. How hard can I try and still fail over and over before I give up? I can stand here and shake this bottle all day long, and it is not going to empty the gunk that's in it. It's not. Even if I put this thing aside and let it sit, all that stuff in there is going to dry. It's still in there. It's still going to coat, and it's never going to be good enough. And, and what I'm talking about this morning is this sin. This is the sin. This is the wrongness that lives in us. This is the things of the world that make us unholy. But God just said, you can be holy because I'm telling you, I made you to be holy. God, I've tried. I've tried so hard and got so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. Yes, it is. Thank you, my brother. Y'all don't know Lincoln Park. I'm just sad for you this morning. And in the best case, a lot of us just continue showing up, continue sitting in our seats, continue singing, continue going to our life groups, living as defeated Christians, because I tried and I just couldn't do it. And this is even true. Yeah, let's go there. Every single one of us, we've got that, that one thing, that one thing that in your heart of hearts, you're like going, no matter how far I get, I'm never going to get victory over that one thing. I will never, that thing will defeat me every single day until my last dying breath because it's just so in me and I can't, I can't defeat it. It will just always drag me down. You know, Paul says to throw off the chains, the binds that encumber us. And we're like, that's the one thing I can't throw off. It, it's referred to as besetting sin. 
It's the, when, when you've mastered everything else, it's that one thing in you that is always going to be clawing at you, trying to drag you back down. And this is the way we live because we tried. God knows we tried. And he couldn't do it. And then for too many others, they try and they just give up and they're like, you know what? What the church taught me was a lie. Because I tried like nobody's ever tried, and it didn't work because the church is a lie, and Jesus is a lie, and I'm going to go do something better with my life. But see, the problem is we're focused on this. We're focused, and somehow by a little prayer and a little force of will, we can make it all better. And you can't. good news is he can. See, the problem is even in this, even in this effort, even in the idea that I want to be better, I know Jesus died to make me something better than what I am. I have to be able to do something. We're focused on me and who I am and what I can do. And my thinking is still worldly. You need to change that's where it starts. And that last scripture, what was it that Paul said we need to do? Where do you need to put your mind? The things above. Stop focusing on this. Stop focusing on this. Start focusing on this. Fill your mind with the things above. And this is not just scripture. This is read God's word. Be in prayer. Worship. Look at the life of Jesus and the things Jesus did with his time and start doing those things. And focus on the things above. And when you do, something amazing happens. You start focusing on the things above. I'm going to start putting my mind in, in prayer. I'm going to start spending my time and energy in, in the scriptures. I'm going to start focusing on worship. Little pro tip. I don't know if you know this one. You can worship beyond 11 to 12 o'clock Sunday mornings. You could sing to yourself. And worship, I mean, you know, maybe you're an artist. Maybe you draw. Maybe you paint. Maybe you write poetry. Maybe you write verse. That can all be worship. Start focusing on worship. Whatever you, there's 593,000 as of this morning ways you would engage with scripture online. There are services out there. There are websites that will email you scripture chunks to read every day. So if you read it every day, you will have read through the Bible once in the course of a year. I'm sure there's apps that do the exact same thing, and you're focusing your mind on the things above. You're not thinking about the stuff that's still in there. You're not thinking about the garbage. You're not thinking about all the ways you got it wrong, because God knows that can sidetrack us. You're focusing on the things above. You're filling your head with the things above. You're filling your head with the thoughts of Jesus. You're filling your head with images of God. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be inherently Christian stuff. There's beauty 
in the world. There's beauty in music. There's beauty in art. There's beauty in creation. Sometimes, maybe you just need to get out there where the things of man are not and just enjoy the things of God. It's called general revelation. You can see the majesty and creation and power of God in what he created. Start filling yourself up with that, and you start focusing on all this. And you're filling yourself with God's goodness. You're filling yourself with God's mercy. You're filling yourself with God's forgiveness. You're not focused on what's still in here. You know there's still garbage in here, but you're not focusing on it. Focusing on yourself, that's called selfishness. That's called self-centeredness. That doesn't get you where you want to go. Focus on God. And so you're focusing on him, and you just keep pouring God into you. And there comes a point where you've poured so much God into you that increasingly there is no room for that other stuff. God flushes it out because he's like, sorry, I need the room for me. So the sin has got to go away. The selfishness, the anger, the doubt, the fear, the criticism of others, the criticism of self, whatever your particular personal sin that you will never defeat, there's no room for that because it's all been driven out because God needs that room for himself. And the thing is, when you stop, I mean, it's a, it's kind of not fair. There doesn't come a point when you get to okay. There needs to be an ongoing process because if you stop, you know, if I stop and leave this long enough, that water is going to start to dehydrate and go away and this bottle starts to get empty. And when the bottle starts to get empty and there becomes room in the bottle, other stuff can get in there. So you got to keep pouring it in every day, which I know it's ridiculous. I'm telling you, you need to make room for the God of the universe every day. But in that process, your thinking changes. And as your thinking changes, you're putting on that new flesh. And as you put on the new flesh, you're becoming a new creation. And as you become a new creation, all of a sudden, that gunk is not quite so obvious. In all fairness, gunk is still there a little bit, but not like it was, not like it was, and it's just that simple. Everything I just led you through, God wants you to be holy. God is holy. He made you to be holy. He calls you to be holy. Well, how do I be holy? Set yourself aside from the things of this world. Put on the new self. Well, how do I put on your new self? Put your thoughts on the things above. It is really just this simple. This is how you become holy. Why would you not? That thing we had before, is that, is that how you want to go on living? How is that working out for you? Is there hope in that? Is there peace in that? In the storms of life, is that getting you through? Doesn't this look better? Isn't this the life you want for yourself? 
Isn't this the life you want to display to others so that when they're going through their darkness, they can look to you and go, how? He is holy. You are to be holy. Put your mind on the things above. I'm going to ask the priest team to come up. We're going to do one more song. Please, Jim, Naya, be careful over here. I mean, it's soap water on wood, but I don't know. And we can. I'm relatively certain we cannot afford lawsuits. Uh, for the rest of us, as they're sitting up, I am just going to lead us in prayer. We will sing one more song of worship, and then we will be dismissed. Again, I encourage you, if you are visiting for the first time, do come back and see me at the Connect Center. Uh, I'd like to send you home with a little bit of something-something and just uh, get a chance to talk to you for a minute. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for being a good, righteous, and holy Father. Thank you, Father, for calling us to your holiness. Thank you, Father, for making it possible through you and only through you to attain a level of holiness we would not think possible otherwise. I pray, Father, that this morning, starting right now, you would begin to change our thinking enough that we accept the truth of your scripture, we accept the truth of your word, that we come to you and say, Father, I'm tired of dealing with the junk. Make me holy. Set me apart. Make me new. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. May he give you his holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.